Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great. Filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh my goodness. I am so excited for the topic today about don't be fooled by ego tricks. No, no more. Had enough of that. <laughs> Spirit, I just opened my mind, said Spirit, what's today? Don't be fooled by ego tricks. Okay. So I have no idea what is going to come through, and that excites me. But let's begin with a prayer. So grateful to join together, to place our hands on our heart, and to open to the fullness of love right here, right now. We are recognizing the beauty, the truth, the magnificence, the wholeness, the freedom. Oh, so grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves this opportunity to rise up. So indeed we do rise, rise above the ego, rise above the battlefield. We are grateful to open our heart and mind to the truth like never before. We're grateful to activate a willingness to be so aware of the truth that we can't possibly get fooled again. Grateful to allow ourselves to live a life of profound love, great willingness. The truth is being revealed in, through, and around us. And we are grateful for that truth that dispels the darkness. We are grateful to stand and face the light of our being, the Christ within. Recognizing the perfection, the wholeness that is our very essence in nature, we surrender all need to play ego games for any reason whatsoever. Let it dissolve and resolve back to the root cause so we never experience it again. We open our hearts and minds to the fullness of the truth. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Hmm. All right. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Let's jump right in here. I am grateful. And I'm going to share one thing just so I don't forget it. Uh, my year-long course, Masterful Living, is open for registration. We've got a number of bonuses this year that are classes with me, either live online or the Forgiveness Retreat, which starts Thursday, November 9th. That is also a free bonus. does not include lodging and meals. The resort fees, not there aren't resort fees, but we're at a resort. So the lodging, the meals, and transportation, not included. But the tuition for the retreat 
is a bonus. And um, other classes that are coming up uh, are bonuses as well. So if you go to jenniferhadley.com, look at the Masterful Living program, you will see the other bonuses there. And uh, yes, yes, I'm also doing a new program next year uh, with Gary Renard, Cindy, Laura, Bill Free, Lisa Natoli, John Mundy, so many wonderful teachers, and it's called Quantum Counseling, and it's for people who are interested in learning about counseling from an A Course in Miracles perspective. Alan Cohen, Tammy Keeves, lots of great counselors who've been doing this a long time, have a lot of insight. It's a year-long program. Uh, one, it's 14 classes over the course of a year, so you can look for that as well. Okay, those are my announcements, and let's get to it. So let's not be fooled by ego tricks. No more, no more, no more. Ah, so, of course, the biggest trick the ego has is separation. And in the grief class that I was just doing, uh, grieving through the holidays, one of the things that I was talking about, and I was very glad to be able to talk about it with uh, mostly Course in Miracles people in that class, and to be able to talk about the trick of grief. So when we're upset, every time we're upset, it is an ego trick, because we are believing something that's not true. Every single time we're upset. As A Course in Miracles says right in the beginning, I'm never upset for the reason I think. And I'm upset because of the meaning that I gave, whatever it is, including the pain and suffering around grief. So it's one of the biggest tricks there is, and it is about separation. So in grief, and this can apply to grief over a pet, not just a person, and it can be the grief of a, a, a relationship seeming to end or make a change, like people get divorced. The relationship's not ending, right? Relationships don't actually end. Only in ego perception do relationships end because we're eternal. We are all part of the same field of love. So only the appearance of the relationship between our personalities can appear to end. But in reality, no, there's no such thing as relationships ending. Hallelujah. And one of the things that I did a very long time ago when a relationship that I was in that was very important to me, uh, my boyfriend that I lived with for a couple of years, he and I split up, and it seemed really clear that we we weren't going to be really friends. Uh, not because there was animosity, but because we were never really friends. We were lovers and that was 
the the basis of our relationship, not a friendship. And I also moved so far away from him that it would it would have been hard and and um so and we had a challenging breakup. So anyway, um one of the things that I anchored into in prayer was that we our relationship would continue into another lifetime and in that next lifetime I was doing all the forgiveness work so that in the next lifetime we could have a purely happy fulfilling relationship however it came to be and so that's something that we can do in this lifetime that's very fulfilling and in a certain sense it can be thrilling and it's a great way to move through difficult relationship changes is to make a deep personal commitment to healing whatever difficulties there are in the relationship now so that in the next incarnation, however that might play out, there is nothing but love. So think of what A Course in Miracles says, the holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred becomes a present love. And sometimes that's the thing about our relationships is that they are already that. They already are an ancient hatred that is a present love right now in our life. And then, and we haven't really worked it all through in terms of that ancient hatred. So now we've got some other issue that we're dealing with. Yep. So... It's all about separation, and in grief, whether it's about a job, a pet, a person, a house, because people, you know, they sometimes they are forced to give up their home, and they love their home. People are moving into um, retirement homes, but they love their home. They just can't really manage living there anymore. So there can be grief about that. There can be grief about losing what feels like independence. People lose their hearing, their eyesight, and many other things. There's that seeming loss, and there can be grief over that. So one thing I would invite you to do right now is just pay attention to the people in your life. Think of people right now that you know and love, and is anyone, just scan the your, your mind, is there anyone in your life who's going through a loss and might be grieving, but it's not the loss you usually think of. It's the loss of their home, the loss of their friendship, the loss of their marriage, the loss, it, it could be by them perceived to be a really difficult loss. And can we comfort them and really honor the experience, the emotional experience they're having about grief. So in the grief classes that I just did, one of the things that we talked about is, if I'm grieving, don't talk me out of it. Do not give me your spiritual teachings about eternal life. Don't do that. It's, it's actually incredibly disrespectful to people. Hold them in their mind, hold them in your mind that they are coming to realizations of truth. 
that you don't have to go any further than that. That's all you have to hold. So in grief, everything becomes about what's missing, especially if it's someone that they lived with, their pet, a person that they lived with, or their home, they're leaving their home. It becomes all about what's missing, what's not here. The thing is gone. It's not coming back. And being in that place of, you know, for the last 40 years, you tried to get them to put the cap on the toothpaste, and now the cap's always on the toothpaste. And every time you pick up the toothpaste, you think, oh, no, they're gone. Or for... 40 years you tried to get them to hang up their coat or put their socks in the hamper and oh no now they're gone every time or you happen to find a sock behind the washing machine and oh now they're gone and then you wash that sock and you look for the match and when it comes out of the dryer oh no they're gone it's just a constant missing 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 and that is an ego trick. That what I love, what I need, what I want is not here. Because I'm separate from God, the good is not with me. It's not here. And I am living in lack and limitation. Hmm. Now, it's... One of the things we can see about grief is it is actually an experience that we have that is a manifestation of our resistance to really accepting and allowing that there is no separation. Ponder that. That's really deep. Spirit just gave me that. And I I feel like this is a really helpful understanding. Grief is resistance to the acceptance and allowing that in truth there is no separation. So our grief, our upset is always going to be about clinging to a belief that's false. What's true is true and the truth sets us free. It liberates us from suffering. Always the truth sets us free from suffering. So if we're suffering, we must be believing something that's not true. It's a belief. It's not truth. And so the belief in separation shows up as grief. Something is lacking. Something is missing. Remember, the foundation of the ego thought system is separation, and separation is a constant sense of lack, a constant sense of limitation, a constant sense of something is missing. So it gets triggered very intensely when there's a loss of a job, a loss of a home, a loss of health, a loss of wealth, a loss of a loved one. And This, to me, is like the biggest ego trick of all. Death. They're gone. They're gone for 
forever. But they're not gone, and they're not gone forever. As, as the, I heard the words come out of my mouth when I was having lunch with my father about a month after my mom died, and, um, you know, her body died, and I was heading back to Los Angeles after having lived with them for five months or whatever it was, and uh, I said to my, my dad said, I can't believe your mother is gone, right? So there's the ego separation thought, the grief, and the words just came right out of me, and I said, and I, because I hadn't thought the thought, so it felt like the Holy Spirit speaking to both of us, and the, the words that came were, what if she's not gone? What if she's just gone ahead? And one of the things that I experienced after my mom passed was I began to feel closer to her than ever because now there was no distance to separate us. Now there was nothing in the mind to separate us. I was willing to be completely connected with her. So, grief, seeing grief as resistance to acceptance and allowing that there is no separation. And instead of thinking that it's time is going to help us to move on, what time, time is not something that can help us do anything. Time has no mind of its own. Time is not part of God. Time is a trick. It's a trick. It <laughs> in fact, in the workbook, that's exactly what Jesus tells us in Lesson 158. So Lesson 158 is, Today I learn to give as I receive. And in Paragraph 4, he says, time is a trick, a sleight of hand, a vast illusion in which figures come and go as if by magic. Yet there is a plan behind appearances that does not change. The script is written. Time is a trick, a sleight of hand, a vast illusion in which figures come and go as if by magic. Yet there is a plan behind appearances that does not change. The script is written. So what I was pondering as I was offering this Grieving Through the Holidays class is that what if our loved one or the job or whatever it is that seems to have departed, that we seem to have lost. What if that is in our script in order to help us move out of believing in separation? That it's a very intense experience to get us to really look at separation. And our attachment to being in lack and limitation separation. 
in our mind. It's a way of our confronting ourselves with our belief in separation. One of the common things that I hear spiritual students say is that when their loved one died, they were really disoriented because they did actually get there was no separation, that their life is eternal, that there's no real loss. And so they weren't hugely upset. They weren't hugely upset, meaning they weren't crying copiously and they were able to take it in their stride. And then they wonder, have I lost feeling? Am I no longer feeling things, really? Have I become so spiritual that I'm disconnected from my heart? Hmm... It's a very common thing for spiritual students. And I remember thinking that when my mother passed, because I didn't cry a lot. I wasn't intensely emotional. I had done that work prior to my mom's passing. So when she passed, I was really clear. She was just leaving the physical form, but I was anchored in the eternal nature of our relationship and that she was not gone from me. And in many ways, I did feel closer to her. So this trick of time is going to heal our wounds. This trick of separation, I'll never be with them, see them again. We are eternal beings. If you knew that you were going to see them again, you were going to be with them, and that this was perfectly timed in your life to help you accept there is no separation, would you hold it differently in your mind? This is the question. This is one of the biggest ego tricks for us here. So this temptation that the ego thought system is always offering to buy into separation. Every problem we think we have is an expression of separation. And one of the really intense things that comes up, it just comes up again and again. So I said, it's interesting that, or it's amazing or challenging, however we want to characterize it, that sometimes spiritual students feel like they're, maybe they're numb because they're not grieving intensely. Why is that? Because in our culture, in our society, we have this belief that if you're not sad and grieving, then you don't really miss them you didn't really love them. You didn't really care. So the way that we honor the dead, so to speak, is to miss them and be sad without them, to not want to go on without them. I can't live if living is without you, right? It's all those sad, sad songs about breakups and loss, and it's all ego 
separation thinking. So love is not feeling sad. Love is not grieving. Loving someone fully and completely has nothing to do with being sad or even with missing them. And still, we're having a human experience. We are having a human experience. So sometimes the loss is felt very, very intensely. So I didn't cry a lot after my mom passed because I still felt connected to her. But she wasn't my life partner. She was my mother. She, you know, my dad was in a completely different situation than I was. He had lived with her and been with her for 50 years. This is a total recalibration for a person. So this is a big trick of the ego is now, who am I without this person? Because I'm having an unexpected or an unwanted personality shift. Who am I now that this person is not by my side, not in my life, who am I without them? I don't recognize myself. I don't know myself. And as I was sharing in the grief class when my mom passed, that was one of the first thoughts I had was, who am I now? Because I had become so identified with her caregiver in the months before she shuffled off the mortal coil. And so I was now recalibrating into how did I see myself as a person with a personality, having a human experience with a body? How did I see myself now? When we lose a job, when we move homes, when our children go off to college, these are all different place, times in our lives where we are recalibrating and our identity is shifting and it can be wonderful miraculous joyous but it does depend on how we view it the lens that we're looking through oh my goodness time for a break <laughs> my name is jennifer hadley you're listening to of course in miracles and we are liberating from the ego yay i'll be right back This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we're talking about the tricks of the ego and how to not fall for them. One of the biggest tricks there is, and just going right off what we were talking about before the break, and that is that's our identity gets wrapped up in our job, our home, our children, our parents, our spouse, uh, all of our connections and relationships, our status. 
if we think there's a change of status, that's a shift in identity. I'm a fan of the old British novels and dramas like Sense and Sensibility. So in Sense and Sensibility, what happens is the uh, father passes away and now the the mother and the daughters are sent off to live in a cottage. They've lived in a very nice house with servants and all of that now is gone because the estate can't be left to a woman, God knows. So it has to go to a male heir and the male heir doesn't really know them or care about them. And so they are now without funds and resources and without real decision-making power. So there's all kinds of stories uh, from hundreds of years ago uh, and last century where people are losing status and now they have a big shift in their identity. And usually at the core of those kinds of dramas, what happens is they find their inner strength. They find something more akin to their true identity, their spiritual identity. And so they find the love in their heart. They find those inner resources. And same thing is happening in today's world. So when there's a pandemic, when there's job loss, when there's forced retirement, when there's the loss of the retirement uh, funds or someone uh, is tricked out of their money, so all the different things that happen in life, the vagaries of life that are upending. This is an opportunity for us to recalibrate into our true identity. But most people don't take it that way. People don't see this is actually a liberation. So we can go back to Lesson 135, Paragraph 18, where it says, What could you not accept if you but knew that everything was gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good? All things are lessons God would have me learn is uh, a little less comforting than everything was planned by one whose only purpose is my good. So for me, it's been helpful when it seems like I'm blindsided, when it feels like the rug's pulled out from under me or I'm ripped off or shoved off a cliff to say, this has to be for my good and I am not going to deny my good. I'm not going to ignore my good. I'm not going to pretend that there's no good here, that there's only pain and suffering. If I can look beyond the meaning I've made of it, the interpretation, my knee-jerk reactions, then I can find the good that is definitely there. In the Manual for Teachers, in Chapter 4, Characteristics of God's Teachers, in the trust and uh, section, the development of trust, it talks about that it takes great learning to realize everything is helpful. 
And it does. It takes great learning and it takes real willingness to recognize that everything is helpful. So the tricks of the ego are that this is not helpful to me. And you know, we can take extreme examples like someone has an accident and now they're a paraplegic. The thought on the surface is, no, this is horrible, this is tragic. Is it? How do we know? Are we sure of that? Can we see through all directions of time and space to know that? Uh, I, I remember when in 2015 and I hurt my back, and uh, I'm sure I talked about it many times during the broadcast that I did during that time, I was in such excruciating pain. I There had to be good for me there. I had to accept my good is right here where I am. And there was. And I can see now that it gave me a whole new perspective on what people go through who have uh, tremendous pain and how to work with my mind and work with the, the, the pain at the level of the mind and other benefits as well. So if we can relax the mind that wants to interpret these things as not good for us and instead say, my good is encoded into this, it has to be. I don't have to figure out how to find it. Like I don't have to sift through all the garbage I seem to be seeing to find the good. I just have to be willing to see past the garbage and accept that the good is there. And this is one of the big things about specialness because specialness is a trick of the ego. It's one of the biggest tricks of the ego that we crave being special. We crave some kind of recognition. And if we can't get the special that's better than everyone, then we'll take the special that's worse than everyone. And unworthy, unlovable, bad, wrong, evil, etc. These are some of the biggest tricks of the ego. Don't we know it? They can knock us right over, knock us right down. But we don't have to fall for it anymore. We really don't. And we won't if we are in union consciously with that higher Holy Spirit self. So if we're listening to that one voice, we can observe the ego trick thoughts without buying into them. And that's one of the things I started to do that was very helpful to me, becoming the active observer of the thoughts and recognizing these are not my thoughts. These are not my thoughts. I will not choose to think them. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. So, Really being clear, no, 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 no. Like Gandalf, when he said in The Lord of the Rings, or whichever story that is, thou shalt not pass. 
Thou shalt not have entry into my awareness. I will not think those thoughts. They have nothing to do with me. My mind is the Christ mind, and it cannot hold these thoughts because they are untrue. They have nothing to do with me or my life. I am no longer interested in these thoughts. I will not entertain them. Now, we may have to do that a number of times before we're truly no longer interested in them. But that's the place to start. So just think about this. What if folks were showing up on your doorstep and inviting you to come out of your house and participate in crimes? We're going to go on a crime spree. We're going to... uh, yeah, just go on a crime spree. We're going to get high and go on a crime spree, and we don't care who it affects. They're knocking on your door. They're ringing your doorbell. They're very insistent. Maybe you left the door unlocked, and they just come right in and start making themselves at home, and they're saying, come on, let's go, let's go. And they're pouring themselves drinks. They're putting their feet up on your furniture, and they're saying, let's go. They're smoking some weed. Let's go. Let's go uh, do this um, whatever. (laughs) Let's go. And you say, no, not having it. Not interested. No, thank you. Not interested. And they may still keep coming to your house, right? Barging right in. Breaking in. But if you consistently are saying, no, thank you, I'm not interested in that, not at all. Get thee behind me. They're going to stop coming to your house. But if they think for a second that you might go and they can coerce you, they're going to try. Because like attracts like. They wouldn't bother with you If there wasn't a possibility, you would say yes. Now, my dog Bodie just came and sat down (laughs) next to me. And so it reminds me of this. Uh, When she was a puppy, so I got Bodie. She's an English cream golden retriever. When I got her as a puppy, she was 12 weeks old. And... Uh, The first morning that we were in her new home, my home, uh, I I had fed her and I was making myself some breakfast and I had gone uh, a a distance to get her from some place. And on the way back from there, I stopped at a place that had a really nice cheese danish something i eat once a year but i do like it so i got myself a cheese danish to have the first morning back in the house so i heated that cheese danish up a little bit put it on a plate i put it on the coffee table in my den and then i went back to the kitchen and got my coffee and when i got back to the den bodhi had the Danish in her mouth. She wasn't eating it yet. 
It was just in her mouth. She had just picked it up in her mouth. And like involuntarily almost, I yelled, no, like that. <laughs> and it scared her and she dropped it. It, it, I I hadn't intended to scare her. It just, <laughs> that Danish meant more to me than I realized. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So she dropped it. And that is the only time she has ever tried to eat any of my food. And I can put any kind of food on the coffee table. And she won't eat it. She might smell it, but she won't eat it. That's my experience. Now, I did put some, uh, actually, I'll say this, last week, I maybe it was earlier this week, I put some of Sattva's food, Sattva's the cat, Bodhi and Sattva, I put some of Sattva's food, uh, I went, I had it in my hand on a plate to give to her, and it was the same food that I, I give Bodhi, I, I give them um some raw um, grass-fed beef. We have all these farmers where we live in Lincoln. It's the land of the cows. Think Ben and Jerry's and dairies. And it's all grass-fed. And so all, half my neighbors have beef for sale. And so I get an amazing deal on just the completely lean grass-fed beef. So I, I give it to them for breakfast. And so I had chopped it up for sattva as I do all the time. So Bodhi was used to that. I had it on a plate and I had it in my hand and then, um, and Bodhi was outside and I saw her in the door. So I put it on the coffee table. I went, I opened the door for Bodhi, let her in. And then I got distracted. I forgot about Sattva's food. And later I remembered it because Sattva was outside. So he wasn't bothering me for food. And I saw, oh, Bodhi ate Sattva's food. But it wasn't my food, it was Sattva's food, and he and she knew that. Anyway, she just does not, she just never has begged for food from my plate. Why? Because I have never given her food from my plate. Because if you do it once, for the rest of their lives, they know there's a possibility. Because it happened once. That's how dogs are. So, same with the ego. Right, So it may take a while to break that habit of letting the marauding uh, criminals, the crime spreeers, into your mind. But if you consistently say, no, 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 not having it, not interested, not doing it, no thank you, it stops. It stops. And you might see them pass by right? See the thoughts pass by, but they don't come into the forefront of your mind in a way that's tempting to choose them. This is my clear experience. So I have learned the power of no to the negative thoughts. I've learned the power of saying not on my watch. No, I'm done. Breaking that habit. It's happening now. I am one with spirit one with spirit is the majority. So we're the majority and ego is nothing. It is no thing. 
There's no power that the ego has over me, over this situation, over my thoughts. I am done. We just have to be that willing. We just have to be that willing. So it's not that there won't be temptation for a while. And the temptation is really the habit. Oh, that's what I'm used to doing. Oh, I'm used to going to that place. I see. I'm, I'm tempted to go to that place of frustration, anger, sadness, depression, hurt, jealousy, whatever it might be. But I don't have to go there. So that's when the ego trick is just to barge right in and say, oh, you know, come on, let's go on a crime spree. And we can actually say no and lock the door. And how do we lock that door? It's we really are in that, I listen to only one voice. That's what Jesus talks about in the Course. Listening to only the one voice, the voice for God. So I let the Holy Spirit choose for God for me. That's how we get out of these tricks of the ego. I'm only interested in the thoughts I think with God. That is the decision we must make. Right? The Course says, heaven is a decision I must make. So it's a decision we must make. So I am saying, Holy Spirit, choose for God for me. There, there is a threshold that we cross in our renunciation of the ego and temptation. And that, that threshold that we cross is we go from this place where it doesn't Mm, it doesn't really appeal to say, uh, thy will be done. Because I, you know, it's the people are often in that place of, mm, I don't know about that. I don't think I want to say that, thy will be done. Because there's a fear, if I say that, I'm going to get gobbled up by God in some way that I don't like. Right? Because we believe we're separate from God and God could gobble us up and take over our life and life will then be awful. Right? There's not going to be any more sex, no more wine, no more having fun, no more watching television, no more extra piece of cake. All the sensual pleasures of life and things that we like to enjoy. There's not going to be any more gossip. There's not going to be any more drinking, whatever whatever it is that we think that life without would be what God wants for us. So God does not want anything but perfect happiness for us. That, that's what our own higher self would like for us. Right? That's what God intends for us. That is what our holiness, our Christ self intense for us perfect happiness so perfect happiness really does mean if 
you want to have a cocktail, have a cocktail. If you want to have two cocktails, have two cocktails. If you'd like to have ice cream, have ice cream. Have it with fudge sauce. Have it on a brownie with nuts and whipped cream, if that's what you'd like. There's no deprivation ever in the mind of God, because in our holiness, in our infinite oneness, there's everything. Deprivation only comes with the ego. But the trick of the ego is that if I go all in for God, there's going to be deprivation. Why? Because religious groups, which we've been a part of in past lives, have for centuries taught us that to be godly in this world means chastity, poverty, deprivation, loneliness, living in cold rooms, sleeping on hard beds, sleeping alone, eating mushy peas. And not the good kind. I do love mushy, mushy, you know, English peas. The, when they're good, you know, fresh. <laughs> they're delicious. Anyway, it's this whole illusion delusion of the ego that the Christ life means you're going to get crucified, and, and up until you get crucified, you're going to be completely uncomfortable. There's not going to be any fun. There's not going to be good food. There's not going to be snuggling and all the things that we enjoy in life. And it's just an ego fantasy of deprivation because that's all the ego knows. That's all the ego knows is separation and deprivation. In our alignment with our holiness, everything is added unto us. Seek first the kingdom and all else is, at, all is added unto you. Let, let's get that into our awareness. So the trick of the ego is if you go all in for God, you're going to be deprived. It's just the opposite. There's complete freedom. There's a deep sense of satisfaction that cannot come from the world and does not come from the world, but can be known by us. Because everything is added unto us. Everything is given back to us. So let's not fall for these tricks anymore. we got, we got, we got other things that we can put our attention on if we're interested. So we don't have to figure it out. We just have to be willing. That's it. My goodness. I'd like to quickly tell you about some events that are coming up. One is uh, our men's group is offering a discussion on the characteristics of God, the teachers uh, of God characteristics, uh, starting with the tolerance one. In the world today, with war, etc. happening. How do men practice this? And that discussion will be wonderful. There's no charge to join. And if you'd like to join the men's group and find out what they're up to, I am going to invite you to send a text. Send the word men, M-E-N, to the number 53557. Send the word men to the 
number 53557, and we will tell you about what's going on with the men. The other thing I can tell you is that Karen J. Gardner is doing a class on December 2nd, Miracles of Understanding, The Split Desires of Our Clients. So this is for uh, people who are interested in counseling uh, and counseling practices. I also have on Thursday, November 30th, the free worthiness workshop. I've done this the last few years. It's really great. It's fun. And I invite you to register early. You can print out your worksheet and we're going to do some of this work together. Uh, Free worthiness workshop, Thursday, November 30th. Go to jenniferhadley.com to the events page and you will see it there. I am also offering the quantum counseling program. This is a wonderful program. Uh, we've got all kinds of teachers showing up for it. We're, it's a year-long program with 17 Course of Miracles teachers offering classes in how to be a Course of Miracles counselor, how to work with clients and counseling from a Course of Miracles perspective. And so Again, that's at the events page, jenniferhadley.com. It's a year-long program starting in January 2024. We've got an early bird special on right now. Um, Other classes are coming up, and I have a whole bunch of bonuses that you can still get if you register for Masterful Living right now. Masterful Living, my year-long program, starts in January. If you register now... You will get live classes with me in December and early January before Masterful Living begins. Uh, If you're interested in Masterful Living or any program, but you're not sure, then I invite you to book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. If you go to the Masterful Living page, you will see there the... um, opportunity to sign up for a free exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. So we have so many things going on. Sundays with Spirit every Sunday. And come and join me, especially this Thanksgiving weekend. I invite you to come and join. How wonderful that we can gather together. And I'm also uh, doing something on Thanksgiving for everybody in our programs the day Uh, a time of gratitude to share. Oh my goodness, so many things coming up. And I'm grateful that we get to share these things together. Let's place our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines so brightly, so beautifully, so clearly in our hearts and minds. We are grateful to know and remember the truth. We are grateful to let go of the ego tricks We cannot be fooled. We are one with the one, and one with God is a majority. So we are perfect, whole, complete. Right here, right now, we're willing to recognize and remember it. We share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. I love you.